This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. The Canadian Transportation Agency has ruled that Air Canada needs to better accommodate passengers with disabilities, specifically people who use wheelchairs. It stems from a complaint by Tim Rose. Air Canada told him that he could not buy an airline ticket to Cleveland in 2016. They claimed his wheelchair was too big to fit on the plane. A CTA tribunal found that Air Canada had a duty to accommodate a client regardless of the size of a chair. The tribunal said Air Canada needs to make decisions about the equipment and planes they buy so that they're better designed to include people with disabilities. This story has Elizabeth Moeller's attention. This story has my attention. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Dave. We're leaving on a jet plane. Leaving on a jet plane. So, Elizabeth, what is your takeaway from the CTA, CTA tribunal ruling? I think it's a step for sure in the right direction. It's it's definitely long overdue. It's interesting that planes are one of the only transportation methods where people can't safely uh, sit in their own chair, but also interesting to know that other modes of transportation have gotten there by, uh, unfortunately, legal action. I think, you know, what it's showing is that people with disabilities um, are still not a priority or still not considered, even though from a business perspective, that's absolutely wrong, considering that we're 22% of the population. Um, But I think what it tells me too, is that this is really something that we need to start thinking about again, as our population ages, but the timing that that it took, um, I think for sure shows a a lot of dedication on the part of the person that uh, that submitted the complaint. But I also, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also concerned because we still have a long way to go, not just with physical disabilities, but with other types of disabilities as well, Mm. when navigating airspaces. Yeah, th- there's a lot to unpack here. I was also struck by the timeline, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. 2016 to 2023. That, that, that's a long time. And, and there's no time. doubt this is a victory. I don't want to diminish that. I don't want no. to diminish the advocacy that went into this, nor the outcome, because I think the outcome is important. The notion that the CTA is telling Air Canada, some of these jets you're buying for short Flights are not appropriate if they cannot fit a power wheelchair. That strikes me as an important component of this ruling. But the timeline, the idea Mm -hmm. that it takes seven years to catalyze change through a legal pathway, I get it. Lawyers are all about dotting I's and crossing T's, and it's important to get the legal process right. Seven years is a long time, though. What does that suggest to you about legal pathways to catalyze change? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think it, it, you know, and you said this in the in the last segment, Dave, and I want to pick up on it. You know, if we if we want to see change, we have to be a part of that change. So I commend you know Tim for for doing this, but it's also a lot of persistence. It's it's you have to have a lot of ability to engage with with documentation and to be articulate, and you have to also be somebody who really wants to see this through. Uh, I'm not sure that I would have seven years of of fight in me, and I think there's also um, a lot of people for whom this this emotional labor and energy wouldn't be possible. So the timeline uh, concerns me from, for sure, the perspective of why this takes so long, but also for a lot of people that just wouldn't be um, something that, that, that they would be able to withstand. And I think I think what this shows us for sure is that, um, you know, that there's there's a lot of work to be done here around how decisions are, are made and, and, you know, who they're affecting in the process. 
Yeah, I, I think they would literally refer to this as an equity lens in terms yeah. of in terms yeah. of decision making, in terms of purchasing yeah. power. That's something that the federal government said they were going to start utilizing in procurement policy when it comes yeah. to products or services that could intersect or cross for persons with disabilities. This is another example of that. Buying yeah. airplanes that meet a certain standard of inclusion for persons with disabilities, like that is quite literally the definition of an equity lens. Absolutely. And it's concerning to me, um, and this was quoted in several articles, that Air Canada told Mr. Rose that if, you know, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. This isn't just a convenient piece of luggage that he wants to bring. So that that equating really bothered me. And I think obviously it was it bothered a lot of people. But I think I think part of the problem comes down to I don't think that people expect that we're going to travel or that we are able to travel independently. And I, like I said, this case gives me a lot of hope, but there's a lot of work to be done, not just with physical disabilities, but with visual, sensory, and other types of disabilities. Yeah. Um, certainly I've had, I'm sure you've had too, a lot of experiences on the plane that are that are less than favorable. <laughs> I just don't like getting on airplanes. It's just, it's part of, it's like built into my DNA. I like, I, I like going places. I don't like the, I don't like the process of getting there. You just want to teleport, there. Dave. Yeah, that's, that's precisely, that's precisely it. Okay, well, Elizabeth, along those lines, there's another news story in the airline space, and that's staffing shortages. Yeah. Airlines are struggling to fill service positions. They're also struggling to find pilots. Like, it, like it's pretty mm -hmm. stunning how yeah. many service uh, vacancies there are across the airline. What is your thought in regard to how that may impact the travel experience for people with disabilities? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just last Friday, the, the pilots at Pearson had a, a walkout based on um, wanting more favorable working conditions mm -hmm. and better pay. So we, we see this. Um, it's concerning for me. I know myself, I've been left stranded because of being short staffed. Um, I've had to rely on other passengers, and that's absolutely not something I should have to do. Uh, the, the biggest challenge for me is always getting connections. So you're on the plane and there's staff on the plane, but then they rely on the airport staff on the ground to get you from A to B. Um, and it becomes a challenge, especially when you're connecting to something that's not a flight, like a ferry or a train. Um, and so it's, it's for me, it's concerning. It's made me really rethink how and when and where I travel. So I never travel at peak times like holidays, which is inconvenient because you want to travel during those right. times. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'll go a week before for um, Christmas, for example um i never travel you know uh, at the end of the day because i know people especially those business flights a lot of people are going to be getting on them but at the, and i also will try to make sure that on the plane or you know as i'm boarding the plane i'm connecting with other passengers just in case i need help but those are all things that i shouldn't have to do but i'm starting to think differently about how i travel i'm even calling air canada medical the day before just to remind them that i'm coming yes, and that i have yes. a disability but, you know, the problem, Dave, isn't just the, the Air Canada, but it's also at the airport. And how do you get sort of to the plane? Sometimes I've had mm -hmm. to wait up to an mm -hmm. hour for help, right? So I think it's a really thinking about a holistic approach to, like, I wish there was an app that you could just say, I'm going to be here, I need someone to meet me here, and I need to go here. Yeah, it's it's layers to it, right? That you can it get is. you can grade, you can grade all you can get all the positive Air Canada yeah. interaction yeah. in the world, yep. but then you might yep. not get it at Pearson or Trudeau Airport or or, exactly. a, or YVR in Vancouver. There's there's the possibility of a service gap somewhere along those lines. Elizabeth, what I've noticed is there are a lot of newer people who are being put mm -hmm. in these positions, younger people yep. in these positions. Yep. And by the way, like that like that is natural. Awesome, like right? like that is fantastic. Yep. You want new blood, new people, fresh career opportunities for people to come through. 
true, but maybe what was 10 or 15 years from a seasoned veteran in a service position, some of that accessibility or disability knowledge didn't get passed yes. along. That's yes. what I've been observing working my way through some of these uh, major travel hubs right now, is that yeah. it's, it's like whatever the chaos was last summer or, or the summer of 2022, I don't think it's that anymore, but it just seems like policy and procedure is not mm -hmm. quite up to sn snuff. Like the standard isn't as high as it was, say, a couple of years ago, because maybe yeah. there hasn't been the appropriate training for people to be proactive, announcing, hey, this is the gate or this is the line. It's just like a lot of silence or talking on their mm -hmm. walkie talkies. Yeah, there's, I, th I think you're right. And I mean, I, I noticed that as I was going through security last week to travel, you know, rightfully so, they need to sometimes remove things from your bag. I wasn't told that. So I went to grab my bag at the end of the line and I noticed it was lighter. And I asked one of the security attendants, could you know, could you let me know where my stuff is that was removed? And they just pointed and said, it's over in the holding. Yeah. And I tried to explain yeah. that I couldn't see. And so I think you're right. It's, it's the training piece that's missing, but it's also a, a layer of communication, right? So we need to take your laptop out of your bag we're going to give it to you at the end, or we need to remove this from your bag. I think that's a big piece. And it's also a safety piece. Like I want to take this one step further. It's not just an inconvenience when people aren't communicating. There's a, there's a layer of safety. I could have had medication in there that was taken out that I didn't know about. So I, I think there's, there's a real need for training from for sure customer service, but also the safety piece. Yeah. hundred percent. What about some proactivity here, Elizabeth, yeah. because I don't want to, I don't want to end this on a totally negative no, note saying, Oh no, not. it's terrible. Because frankly, <laughs> I do think the experience yeah. over, Overall, like if I was to overall grade it, I would I would still give the airports a general passing grade here yeah, me too. in a lot of in a lot of the interactions, especially yeah. when I do proactively reach out for a little bit of assistance. Me Generally too. speaking, the assistance I get is good, if not yeah. better than good. But I yeah. do think about independence a lot yes. as well. What do you think an airline or an airport could do to proactively improve the experience for a passenger with a disability? Yeah, I think we touched on it, but I want to go back to it. I think those wraparound supports. So like most of all on the plane, the service has been fine. It's those gaps. So whether it is, you know, you putting in a request through the airline that they communicate to the airport or using um, some kind of an app where you say, this is where I'm going to be. Um, you know, I need someone to meet me here. I think there's also a lot of... Um, you know, positive things that could be done around just sort of that that um, check-in point, because often at the airport, you're handed off from one person to another. So some consistency, like yeah. if there was one person that could walk you all the way through. I know that may not be possible all the time, but I think sometimes that's where those, again, those gaps happen. Um, but I think another proactive thing that sounds so obvious, just asking us what we need. Like, I don't need a wheelchair. I'm glad they're there for people that do, but I do need sighted guide and I need someone to communicate when they're leaving um, or when they're coming to get me. So I think just asking what you need is a really big piece and it sounds obvious but it's part of that communication that customer service I would almost say it would be some kind of disability concierge service. I know yeah. that makes it sound so glammy. No, uh, Dave like, like Brown's glam concierge <laughs> service. I'm for it. I'm yeah. for it, Dave. Like, I know it sounds kind of glammy and bougie, but I think if there was maybe a direct check-in point that was some kind no. of information yeah. desk right when you got to an airport, yeah. that would be really good. I also think yeah. there'd be some merit in easier-to-access information. Like, I don't know if you're ever trying to find your gate number on oh. the on the Pearson yes. website in the morning. Yes. Like, like listen, 
I don't use a screen reader, but even with my Zoom Tech technology, I yeah. I find it to be a dreadful I do the experience. App, the Air Canada app, so, which is not bad. Which is not which is not, not bad, bad, but still like not, but still great. not great. I no. also think now now they might the airlines and airports might flag this as a security thing, but I would love if there was some kind of easy to read orientation map about mm -hmm. generally where I'm trying to go once I get to the airport. Um, better signage. I mean, that's something for me from a low vision perspective that is more valuable than for others. But I find air, I find the Pearson signage situation is yeah. just awful, awful, awful. You walk in, especially Terminal 1, you walk into Terminal oh. 1, and it's totally unclear where the bag drop is, where the check-in station is. It's like wild, wild, wild chaos. But I think if there was some kind of like laid out orientation map that I could at least gander a look at before I yep. got to the airport, now at least I can self-orient a little bit before I might require some assistance. Well, and again, I recognize there might be some security issues with this, but yeah. I wonder about getting... Um, you know, some kind of pass or whatever, where if you are needing help and you have your own, especially if they're busy, if you have your own support person, that they can come with you through security, obviously go through the clearance check, get you to your gate and then go back. And I recognize that that's a, that's a, gonna be a, a nightmare from sort of a policy perspective, but it would A, allow us to make sure we get there and it would be cut down if they're busy on them having to run around, not ideal, but it could it could certainly help. And I think more disability drop-off points. So to, to kind of match your concierge service if there was a spot where you could be dropped off at your terminal where you have a disability somebody could park bring you in um and then meet up with that concierge i know via rail had one for a while and it was quite yeah good. they did just go there and yeah, yeah. wasn't that great yeah yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 I, I don't. I, we've talked about union on the show before, so I don't want to take too many shots nope. at union. But that's uh, okay. But it's 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 struggling a little bit too. This conversation's yes. airline focused, but Union Station is yes. uh, going through some struggles of its own right now. Actually, I took the train coming out of Kitchener on Sunday morning to get back to Union Station, and uh, let's, I was on that train. Oh, were you really? Oh, yeah, I got oh. on in London. Okay, okay. well, thought, might have been a different train. Might have been a different train. The London train uh, runs through Ingersoll, not uh, not Kitchener. Oh, okay. There, there is one that also goes through uh, Kitchener oh, well, and Guelph. May, well, maybe we were on that train together. Yeah, wow. Oh, was it, wait, was it, was it delayed by 40 minutes? Yes. when you? Yes. Oh, we were on the same train on Sunday. Oh okay, well, here, here's what I'll say about, about the Kitchener experience. I got there, and the door to the station was locked, and they literally had one employee for the whole train station. That's awful. And, and there was no indication of, like, where your car was going to pull up, like, relative, your train car was going to pull up relative to where you were on the platform. It was a guessing game. That said, Elizabeth, I've got really good train instincts. I've taken so many trains over the years. I almost have a sense of where things are, and I nailed yeah, it on the too. pin. Car so, one. I know where car one is. <laughs> <laughs> blind guy blind guy instincts through and through. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for this. Always great chatting with thank you. you thank you for your perspective. We'll talk to you next week with Mark Pasqua. You bet we will, Dave. Have a wonderful Wednesday. That's Elizabeth Moeller talking to me one-on-one. -on -one. Elizabeth will be back next Wednesday for a roundtable with Marco Pasqua. Coming up after the break, speaking of roundtables, there were uh, some serious service outages in terms of transit in the greater Toronto area and southern Ontario yesterday. Alex Smythe wants to explore the implications with myself and Ramya Amuthan. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV.
Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.